Amen. So if you forgot your glasses, we do have a substitute today. I look a lot like the original, but I am not. <laughs> Pastor's sick, so you get a sub. But that does not mean a free day. This is in high school. Amen. Man, we had a really good atmosphere today. In prayer? Man. Thank y'all for responding to the Holy Ghost. I know we're tired and some of us worked hard today. The rest of us worked today. But uh, it's good to come into God's house, feel His presence on a Wednesday night. And not just getting that, because sometimes we get in a routine. Oh, it's teaching. So we're just going to come and we're just going to show up. But So it's refreshing to come and, and feel God's presence and respond to God's presence. So I'm excited about that. So... If you're in hyphen, who's in hyphen? Raise your hand. Hey. I've been missing y'all. Where y'all been? I haven't been in my class. I make fresh coffee every morning. Y'all not there? <laughs> if you've been in hyphen, some of this is going to sound repetitive. Um, a few weeks back, the Lord put something in my spirit and just hasn't left yet. I've just been dwelling on it, focused on it. And we've been talking... We've been going through a different lesson every week in Hyphen, but it's been, a, it's been a constant theme. And so I want to pick up on that. I had a cool slide for y'all, but um, I'll show you after church if you want to see it. So today we're going to talk about greater things. And so like I said, I had a, I had a real punny slide for that, but whatever. Apparently I don't have enough technology to, to operate over here. So um, let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. I kind of like this thing right here. I don't have to hold nothing. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me if I was... This is ESV. Because I, I, I'm not very smart, so I have to use words that I can understand. Somebody asked me if I was tall enough to ride this ride, and I told them I just snuck on. So, John chapter 14 and verse 12. If you're there, say amen. 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 Uh, this is Jesus speaking, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Amen. Like I said, we're going to be talking about greater things. So Jesus spent three and a half years preaching the kingdom of God, healing the sick, healing the oppressed. Welcome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> there was, I think there was reverb. It's just reverb. It's fine. So Jesus spent three and a half years of his life preaching the kingdom of God, healing the sick, healing the oppressed, um, doing all kinds of miracles, signs, and wonders. And if we go back into the Old Testament and begin to read and study the Old Testament, I think, I'm pretty sure, I did do some research, but I'm pretty sure there's only about 12 times in the entire Old Testament where there's a recorded instance of somebody being healed. And so think about how much time there was between the beginning of the Bible and to the end of the Old Testament. How many centuries, how many, how many years, how many uh, generations came and passed. And there's only about 12 recorded instances of somebody being physically healed. And to think about 
once Jesus arrives in the Gospels, everything changed. Jesus began to walk around healing people, casting out devils, forgiving sins, walking on water, calming storms, multiplying bread, multiplying fish. He does so much in such a short span that John would write in the very last verse of his book, he says this, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did, where every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So think about that. In just three and a half years, Jesus did so many miracles that they could not even record the things that he did. John said that if they were to write it down, that the world itself would not be able to contain the books that would have to be written. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, he says, if you believe in me, you will do these things also, but not just what I did, greater works than this will you do also. Now, what could be greater than what Jesus did on earth? Now, when I was younger, I tried to understand this. I haven't always been as scholarly as I am now. Thank you for that. And so when I was younger, I tried to understand this. And so I was wondering, I said, well, if Jesus raised the dead, how can we do a greater work than that? Are we going to go get somebody that's been cremated, pray for them, and then the ashes come back together and the person comes back? That would be greater, to me, that, in my mind, that was a greater miracle. Um, and I would wonder, like, how are we supposed to do greater works? Does he mean, like, greater physical miracles, greater exploits, more um, elaborate things would happen? And so I, I struggled with this when I was younger. And the funny thing is, um, I feared that the church in general kind of has the same mentality that I did. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about in general. I'm, I'm afraid sometimes that we miss the big picture when it comes to this. And like I said, this isn't indicative of everyone. But in Christianity and even within our own ranks, we've seen the greater, we haven't seen the greater works that Jesus told us we would see because we haven't been looking at the right things. See, in the book of Acts, the apostles see some pretty amazing stuff. Philip is basically just teleported somewhere, and he's talking to an Ethiopian eunuch, and when the conversation's over, he's just teleported somewhere else. I can't even fathom what that looks like, um, but he did. Uh, Peter would walk down the street, and a shadow would fall on people, and they would be healed. Paul would do all kinds of exploits. Paul would most likely come back from the dead, survive all kinds of things, pray for the dead. They would come back to life, uh, cast devils out of people. And none of this was the greater works that Jesus talked about, and they understood that. Never did the apostles marvel over these things. But I do find one time in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, where Peter is brought to a home of Cornelius. And he's there, and he doesn't really want to be there. He's preaching to these Gentiles only because the angel showed up and told him to. He doesn't expect anything to happen, but the Bible says that while he was talking, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard, and they all marveled. So seeing people turn to Jesus and being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost was something that astounded the apostles. Now, unfortunately, in, in our latter rain revivals we, that we try to proclaim is we've kind of gone the other direction. And we put more emphasis on wanting to see blinded eyes opened and wanting to see deaf ears opened and wanting to see cancers dried up. And that's great. We know that God is still in the healing business. We still have faith. We still pray. and We still believe. And we expect God to answer our prayers. But the apostles never chased after these things. 
Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 that these signs shall follow them that believe. We don't have to go following after signs and wonders because if we follow him, these things will follow us. And so I was watching a YouTube video. Uh, I work from home and I have to keep myself entertained because I have ADD. And I can't just sit in quiet, so I have to have headphones. And I have to find things to get my attention. So I, I, I'll find myself scrolling YouTube, which is sometimes is dangerous. Ask me about some of the stuff I've watched after. after. But anyways, I was watching a video. I came across a video from uh, Francis Chan. Think of him what you will. But he was talking about how early in his ministry that he did not believe in miracles. That he thought that, you know, miracles had ceased and, you know, but the more he began to study the scriptures, the more he began to read his Bible, the more he started to understand that, wait a minute, miracles are still a part of the church today. And so he had a blind man that was coming to his church. And this guy, he wasn't always blind. He had some kind of accident that he lost his eyesight. And when he became blind is when he found Christ. And so one day, this, uh, as, he's, as he's dealing with this issue of miracles and stuff, he begins to think about this man. He's like, man, I bet God could heal his eyes. I bet, I bet God could open his eyes. And the man comes to him, and he wants prayer for uh, just a minor cold, something, something minor. He just asked the pastor to pray for him. And so when he comes to him, he says, hey, have you ever thought about God healing your eyes? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know God can do it. He's like, well, can I pray that God will open your eyes? He's like, sure. And so he's telling the story, and he says, he began to pray for this man. He began to pray with his eyes open because he just wanted to see, you know, God open his eyes. And so as he's, as he's praying and he, and he finishes praying for them, nothing happens. His eyes aren't opened. But he said, the Lord began to deal with him and said, why is it that we tend to put so much emphasis on the physical healings when we're surrounded by people who are blind spiritually, deaf spiritually, and dead spiritually? And what would happen if we got just as excited about physical eyes being opened as we did about spiritual eyes being opened. Imagine the, the, the outcomes we could have if we put as much emphasis and as much passion into seeing a dead man raised, if we could see somebody who was dead spiritually to their sins be risen again with newness of life by the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, we tend to forget that while we get fired up and excited when we see these miracles, and there was plenty of them in NYC, I've seen, I've seen a bunch of videos of, of people getting out of wheelchairs, somebody threw something on the stage. All kinds of things happened, and that's great. But the greater works that Jesus was talking about was the fact that we would have the ability to do something that he didn't do. We have the ability to pray for people and to see them filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And this should be what gets us excited. The other stuff, should, we should expect to see it happen. And when it does, we rejoice. But when was the last time that we got that excited about seeing someone who was dead in their sins being brought back to life as we were about somebody who was healed of a headache. See, I've been talking with Hyphen, and we've been discussing how God has made us for more. And how that God didn't just call us to come to church. And I'm afraid sometimes that if I'm not careful, I can get caught up into this, uh, this bubble that I'm living in of coming to church and being involved in the church things that I put more emphasis on just going to conferences and just trying to satisfy things that I'm looking for that I neglect what God really called me to do. Um, I never want to get to the point that I'm willing to drive nine hours to go to a conference but when somebody says hey we're gonna have a prayer meeting on Saturday to reach the lost I'm like I'm, I'm kind of busy. 
or where I'll, I'll drive three hours to a youth rally or to a hyphen rally, but when I decide to have an outreach event that I'm like, well, I got something coming up. Right. So if we're not careful, we'll get caught up into the, the things, we'll get so consumed in church that we forget that there's a lost world that needs somebody to share the gospel with them. And so this is what usually happens. And I'm praying that this has happened to anybody that went to NAYC. But usually this is what happens. We go to something like NAYC every two years. We go and we are blessed beyond measure. I've never been, so I'm just assuming. Maybe next time I'll get to go. But we're changed, we're challenged, we're renewed, we're energized, and we come home so fired up from the presence of God that we experience at this conference. And what usually happens? Kind of dies out, right? Why is that? Why does, it ha- why does it happen every time to where we'll go to the conference, we'll get fired up, we'll get energized, we'll get renewed, we'll come home, we'll be on fire for a few services, and then we just get back into our same routines. And then before you know it, we're looking forward to the next NAYC, we're looking forward to the next camp meeting because our batteries are dead, we're, we're, we're getting spiritually complacent, and it happens over and over and over. And it's not because we're carnal, I mean, unless you are, and if you are, just keep it to yourself. But it's because we're not doing anything with what we got from the conference. See, we have to be careful that we don't get so caught up in trying to benefit me that I'm of no benefit to anybody else. You see, what happens is when we only eat in service and we're never working, we become spiritually obese. We become spiritually lazy. You ever just ate a big meal and you're like, man, I ain't doing nothing. That happens to me way too often. But that's what happens when we, when we only come to church. If we only participate in things in the house of God and we're constantly going to conferences and constantly just waiting for the next church service, we become so fed from the word of God that we become obese and lazy and we're not doing anything. And then when you eat all this food, what happens? You start getting picky. Mm, I really like that. That's not for me. This isn't something I like. And then what happens? You get lazy. Man, you know what? It's Wednesday night. We're just going to be teaching. I think I'm going to sit this one out. I'm tired. And we all get tired, but we usually still come to church. But when you only eat and you're being so consumed, so fed and fed and fed, and then you start getting that point where like, I don't, man, I'm tired. I'm burnt out. I don't want to do anything. And it's because we've gotten so oversaturated with the word that we're not, we're getting overfilled and nothing's coming out. So here's what we miss most often. Out of everything that exists, right, God made us specifically for a reason. Everything was spoken, but you and I were made. God took the time to get his hands dirty and to form us and to make us into something unique. Each one of us is unique. We all have our own personalities. We all have our own quirks. We are, some of us have more quirks than others. We all have certain things about us that makes us who we are, right? Has anybody ever thought to yourself, man, why did God make me so socially awkward? Or why did God make me so, like me, I can't pay attention to anything. Why did God make me the way that I am? God made you that way because, if you're socially awkward, because there's going to be somebody else that's going to have a hard time dealing with society, and they're going to need the gospel. And God uniquely qualified you to share the gospel with them. You see, every quirk that I have, every personality trait, that whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, all these things were God-given for a reason. So why am I the way that I am? 
Because someone somewhere relates to you. Someone somewhere understands you and they will listen to you. There's going to be people that I come in contact with that I'm not going to be able to relate to. Because our personalities just aren't going to get along. If you take yourself too serious, I'm probably not going to get along with you. But there's somebody else in this room that can connect with them. There's somebody else in this room that has the personality that can, they can relate to, that they, can, that they will be able to befriend and, and, and be able to listen and, and learn from. And so God made us all different because there's so many people in this world that needs the gospel that we all can't reach them by ourselves. We need the body as a whole to be able to go into the world and be able to reach everybody with the gospel message. You see, because we are a body and we do not all have the same functions, we do not all have the same personalities, but Jesus told us, go into the world, preach the gospel to all creation, and that's what we have to do. Amen. Let me get a swig. Thank you. And so this all came to me one time because, well, God began to deal with me about this because there's things about me that's just different, okay? I'm just different. Maybe it's, maybe it's the drugs. I don't know. I'm just different. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. And so God really began to impress on me just to embrace who I am. Because I've always tried to live up to an expectation. I've always tried to be something that I'm not always that kind of person. You know, when you, when you come a minister in Pentecost, there's a certain way people dress. There's a certain way people fix their hair. There's a certain way people talk. I'll never learn to talk. I'm sorry. Can't do it. But God began to deal with me about just embracing who I am. Because he said, I made you for a reason. And I made you to do a specific work. And if you never learn to embrace yourself, you'll never be able to be effective in reaching what I've called you to do. And a lot of times we try to fit ourselves into a box. And what happens is it limits us because God says, I didn't make you that way. I made you unique because I have a specific plan for you that I want you to accomplish. And so what happened was I began to get to that point to where um, I began to take on roles. And this is going back years. I began to take on roles that I really wasn't called to do, but I just felt like I had to do it because that's just what you do. And so I would struggle because I would get in this role and, I, and it wouldn't fit my personality and I had a hard time doing it. And it, it affected my prayer life. It affected everything. And I got to where like, I was just tired and I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to participate in things. I didn't want to go do things. And God began to deal with me. It's like, you're not doing enough with what I've given you. You're getting so overfed that there's nothing flowing out of you. And so there's nothing left to fill up. Because if you eat a hot meal and you go out into the field and you work all day, by the time that day is over with, you're ready to eat again. And so what happens is when we go out and we begin to outreach, we begin to talk to people, we begin to pray for people, we begin to hold small groups, we're working in the field. And so when we come back to church, we're hungry. And so now instead of saying, man, I can't, I don't want to come to church today because I'm just tired. And the last time I was just there the other day and nothing's really changed. Now we're like, man, I can't wait to get to church because I want to see what God is going to do next because I've been out here working and I know that somebody might show up that I've been talking to. And so then now that I've been working so much, now I'm ready to receive more. And then that's where the conferences come in, because now I can go to something like NAYC and I can be recharged and renewed and energized and come back, not to just come back to the church, but to come back into the mission field and do what God has called me to do. And so this is what we've been talking about with Hyphen. We're, we're, we've been discussing how to get involved in our colleges and how to get involved 
with the young adults. We have a huge demographic of young people in Tyler, Texas. I think it's something of where 30,000 young people are coming to college this year. And so if we, even if we hit 10% of that, this is not enough room to hold the people that we could reach with the gospel. And so let me find my place. And so we have to understand that God has called us for a reason and God has commissioned us to do certain things. Now, I want to, I want to read a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 17. It says, and this is again at ESV. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so it says we are the ambassadors of Christ. So what is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who is sent as a representative. When we have ambassadors from other countries, they're representing the country that they came from. And the scripture says that we are ambassadors of Christ. And so therefore we must represent Christ in everything that we do. And so we are to be on earth, what we are to be an extension of Christ's ministry, a continuation of what he was doing in the Gospels. And that's why it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world back unto himself, and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What Christ did being fully God, we should be trying to do, and that's reconciling people back to God. We need to make sure that while we're trying to be who God called us to be, and we're trying to find our purpose in life, that we do not lose sight of what our true purpose is. My ministry isn't a ministry if my ministry is selfishly motivated. If my ministry is about being seen or about having a brand or something like that, my ministry is not really a ministry. It's just a selfish, motivated idea. My ministry should be serving people and trying to get people to the house of God. I saw a survey, and this isn't even in my notes, but I just thought about it. I saw a survey uh, where I think they polled, I don't know how many millennials, which I'm a millennial, sorry. But they polled them, and, and, and more than half said that evangelism was a bad idea, that we shouldn't be evangelizing. And, and so they began to unpack it and try to figure out why. And they found out the reason why a lot of people are turned off on evangelism is because growing up, they were just dragged to a church service where they did plays like Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, and then they were pressured people to, okay, now accept them, accept them, accept them. And it really put, turned them off, and so they said, well, I don't want somebody else to go through what I went through. But that's what happens when we turn the gospel into go and tell to just come and see. God never commissioned us just to bring them here and let somebody else tell them. God gave us this message and said, I want you to take that message that I gave you and take it into the highways, into the byways, into the streets and share the gospel with every creature. And so what happened was now a whole generation is coming up that doesn't want to evangelize because they're so turned off with it because too many people were, were making it somebody else's responsibility to share the gospel. 
We can't be afraid to engage people. We can't be afraid to talk to people. We can't be afraid to take somebody out to eat, no matter what their background, no matter what, what kind of sins they're living in. We can't be afraid to touch people. In the Old Testament, the lepers were somebody that were supposed to be kicked outside the camp and they weren't allowed in the camp. But Jesus said, I'm willing to touch you. And when Jesus touched them, they were made whole. And if we're going to be an extension of Christ, there shouldn't be anybody out there that we're afraid to touch. We should be the person that says, I'm willing to touch you where you're at and share the gospel message with you. Because God called us to be his examples. We talked about it a couple weeks ago in Hyphen. We're supposed to be the mirrors of God. We're supposed to be image bearers. We're made in his image to reflect him. That's why, we, that's why we're the body of Christ. That's why he gave us things like the gifts of the Spirit. He says, I want you to have these gifts. I want you to have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. I want you to think like me. The working of miracles, the gifts of faith, the, the gifts of healing. I want you to act like me. Tongues, uh, prophecy, and, and interpretation of tongues. He said, I want you to talk like me, think like me, act like me, talk like me. Be the extension of me on the earth. And so if we don't have the power of God flowing through us, if we just get spiritually lazy, then we cannot be the extension of Christ that he called us to be. The church in Antioch was full of people that had fled from Jerusalem. And they fled from Jerusalem because they were being persecuted by a person named Saul. He was tearing apart families. He was killing people. He was doing things. Um, and so people fled to Antioch and they started a church in Antioch. And then now imagine what happens one day when they're there and their families have been separated, their parents are in jail, their spouses have been murdered, their kids have been taken from them. And then all of a sudden the guy comes up to him and says, hey, guess what? Remember that Saul guy? He's going to be preaching for us for a while. We're going to have a revival and he's going to be our evangelist. What? The guy that killed my, my wife and took my kids? That guy? Yeah, that guy. But then the Bible says something incredible. It says that they were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? It's because their character so resembled Christ that when people looked at them, they said, these people are little Christs. And if we want to be effective in reaching our world, then we have to reflect the nature of Christ everywhere that we go with everything that we do. When I go to a restaurant, I should be a reflection of Christ. When I'm at the grocery store, I should be a reflection of Christ. When somebody cuts me off at the red light, I should be a reflection of Christ. Now, we're not always going to be perfect because there's a lot of crazy people out there. <laughs> but we got to do our best. And so my goal is that, that I can get to the point that I can become balanced into where I don't get so caught up in just church stuff and just church people that I forget that there's a lost and dying world out there. It's easy when you work from home. And the only time you really leave the house is to come to church or go to the store. I don't have a lot of coworkers. I don't have any coworkers. <laughs> I do, but I don't know what they look like. But it's easy to get caught up in our routines. And so where we get so caught up in just being apostolic that we just come to church on Sundays, we come to church on Wednesdays, and we just get fed, and we just get fed, and we just get fed. But we need to learn to put what we're getting fed into working in the fields. And if we can do that, then there's potential in Tyler to have unprecedented revival. If we could ever learn to be as excited about the spiritual things God does as we are about the physical things God does. We love it when we get a raise. 
We love it when we see somebody shouting that, that was in a wheelchair when they came in. But if we get just as passionate about those things as we are about somebody receiving the revelation of who Jesus is, talking to somebody and seeing their eyes open, seeing those blinded eyes open to where like, wow, I understand what you're talking about now. Seeing somebody that was dead to sin, bound by drugs, coming and being washed in the water and being filled with the Holy Ghost. That is the greater works that, that Jesus has called us to do. And that's really all I have. I just, I just want to share what God put on my heart. And hopefully we can learn something from this and just learn to have balance. To not just eat all the time, but to work with that. Amen? Amen. Amen.